I'm rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I'm really excited for how awkward talking about Roland is going to be, right? Uh, yeah, this, it's, 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 it's going to be awkward. We just have to go through it. I thought I was hoping this was just going to be a fine flowers for Algernon ripoff, but oh, we have another one of those. Somebody is possessed by a ghost and using them to commit murders. And- hey, excuse me. He was not possessed by a ghost. The cryogenically frozen <laughs> head of his dead brother, while not even dead, his something brother had figured out a way to uh, psychically control his twin. Yes. That seems reasonable to me. This was a very great episode, and frankly, I think it says all it needs to say in and of itself. Like, this is the rare critic-proof thing. It is just such a masterpiece that to talk about it would be to ruin the majesty of Roland. I always have a soft spot for this episode. I can I, see why. I don't think it's great. <laughs> and I don't think, and I'm always on the fence about whether or not the performances by the actors who play Roland and Tracy Tracy are offensive or not. I'm not sure. They do a great job of playing the the mentally challenged. Here's the, the, but, that, here's the part where the episode was awkward. Um, yeah, I, I I think they – I don't think it's going on the trope of, you know, somebody who is disabled or whatever is a monster who is – I think this comes off more as Roland is being oppressed and taken advantage of by his yeah. older brother. I think there is some elements of that. I, I would agree with that. I, I think that – Primarily what Roland is about to me is the lengths to which kind of awful people will go to do things. I mean... This is picking up something that was as early as episode two, which is that there technology is good, right? It does good things for humanity, and yet to get... Uh, well, and... I think technology is neutral. That that That's... The, uh, a fair point but technology but either way even te- if technology is used for a good purpose there are lines that one can cross where the process to get that technology is immoral and kind of taints it in a way and so you know i i don't think these scientists are these scientists are seen to be fairly ruthless and just not good people and in in their search for this engine that they're building which even if we agree this engine is going to revolutionize transportation forever um I, well is that really a good goal i don't do, know did they kill the guy in the car accident i i wasn't quite clear on that point i don't think so so i guess now my other point is what exactly did they do that was wrong a scientist died and they t- took his work and continued it right saying it was their own i guess yeah, that was what the that was what it was. Mm. You know, at the end of the episode, the uh, uh, other scientist whose name I don't remember, who was the one that went in and and, and messed yeah. up the temperature uh, control for um, Doctor Non Roland's <laughs> um, cryogenic stasis thing, was taking his research, taking his work, and was going to publish it under his okay. own name. 
that is not a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is certainly an that ethical. Is, that, is, if... that is a big no-no. <laughs> uh, that is not something that, that anybody should do. Now, of course, it's complicated by the fact that Dr. Not Roland was able to psychically project his will, his brain, his mind into the brain of his twin brother and continue his work. I don't know why he was murdering them necessarily. I guess just so pissed at I mean, really, this whole thing could have been solved if they had published and said, you know, with contributions from our late colleagues, Dr. Not Roland. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think that that was kind of part of the point of the episode, yeah. of course, is that this doctor is not perhaps the most ethical person in the world. Okay, we'll leave it up to your imagination whether or not he had this man killed in a car accident. I don't think it went that far. I think that actually was supposed to be a legitimate, tra- a legitimate tragic accident. But w- where it comes from, of course, is that you know I, I don't know to what degree it's supposed to mean anything other than what it means. I, like I there's a chain fair. of events here. I don't think we're really supposed to think that any of these people are great people aside from Roland and Tracy and and who are great people based on the fact that they have a disability. Is that no, I mean, I just I don't or think they that just, they're fine. Yeah, they're, they're fine. I mean, they're normal people. I, you know, I, I and I mean, I don't mean that, you know, in a bad way. I just mean that they're. They can be, I mean, you know, mentally challenged. They are not morally corrupt. Too, but they're they are fine. not morally corrupt, I guess. That's right, the... exactly. Yeah, I mean, they they seem like fine people. I yeah. don't have a problem with either of them. Roland works his job. She probably has one, too, and that's their day. I mean, I guess if you can say anything, I mean, let's go back to the Jersey Devil for a minute and say, okay, well, that episode had, had some resonances about how homeless people can yeah. be abused. I think this episode probably has some resonances about the mentally challenged can be Certainly. abused, can be taken advantage of. It, it, it did seem like... Um, Dr. Not Roland, <laughs> Dr. Grable, his name was Dr. Grable, uh, was using Roland, had gone there specifically yeah. to find Roland for some reason that I don't. That's like the one part of the episode that I'm always kind of like, did he have this planned or something? Did he know that he was psychic and was going to be doing this? Yeah. Was he trying to. Because it, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, one of the. You could look at this and say, okay, well. Because the flashbacks complicate yeah. things. And obviously, Roland was was rested from his family at the age of three. Yeah. He was sent to the uh, uh, the home. He was ripped away from everything that he knew and loved. And Dr. Grable also lost his brother. Yeah. So perhaps Dr. Grable, you know, he was a genius. He went off to uh, uh, Harvey Mudd. <laughs> Did you pick up on that? No. Harvey Mudd? No. From, the, from oh, Star Trek? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh God. Uh it was Harry Mudd in Star Trek, but you know. Uh, um it was a little bit of a joke. Uh he went to Harvey Mudd. He's a brilliant scientist. He was working with everyone else to revolutionize jet travel. Yeah. And he decided that he had the ability to go and find his brother and help him out and get him this job. And, you know, we it's never really made clear if Dr. Grable actually told Roland who yeah, he was yeah, or not. Yeah. I, I think that maybe we're supposed to interpret that as a charitable thing, as an altruistic thing. He missed his brother, wanted to help yeah. him out. Okay, fine. And then he dies, and then suddenly he becomes a supervillain. Yeah, that's the... Uh... Like, there, there seems to be something missing there. <laughs> and frankly, I think a lot of that is... Uh, yeah, the... the... For all that Dr. Grable is behind everything, he's too much of a cipher and therefore not at all interesting. Like, how does 
Dr. Grable feel about the fact? Does he feel that he is justified in using his brother in this way? Does he think, well, this is not going to hurt, mistakenly think this is not going to hurt him too much. I'm just going to use him as a weapon for these four people and that's it. Or is he even going by instinct? You know, is he so beyond conscious thought that it's just a lashing out? Like there is. Right, right. We don't know the answer to that. And I think we need to know the answer. Yeah. I think that is part of the problem with the episode is that. Dr. Grable is a cipher. We don't know anything about him except what everybody else tells us. And so by definition, he's not a character. Well, there is that line that Scully has at the end of the episode where the the woman at the home is, you know, asking, well, what exactly? And she says, we don't know what happened. All we know is that, you know, this is what happened. We can only state the facts. Obviously, Scully, Scully and Mulder have the idea, the theory of what what really went on, but... And also, Scully is doing that primarily because she doesn't want to freak that woman. Yeah, the fuck how out. do you, th- that is very true. That I mean, that's obviously the most diplomatic way that you could ever put that. I know? mean, let's not forget last week in Born Again, Mulder went to that psychologist's office yeah. and was basically worrying her to a large degree because he said, "I think that she's being uh, psychically controlled by the the or, reincarnated." Yeah ghost of a dead person and she's like what the fuck man or the hearing for tombs ascent you know release is another thing one of the things that i think the show has been doing a little bit that that is interesting especially in the back half of the first season is 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 they're coloring Mulder out to be maybe a little <laughs> bit more unhinged than he was at the beginning of the season well he's he's certainly not very good at the the He's not the kind of person you let around the streets. You know, Scully is the one who is able to talk to normal people. Mulder is going to be very good at dueling with the lone gunman end of end of society. Scully has to... Let's not forget the lone gunman said, We like you, Mulder. Your theories are weird than ours. <laughs> so it's not even that... I think there's an element to which the lone gunmen yeah. are humoring Mulder. It's not the other way around. No, and it's fair. Although, to be fair, Mulder's theory is, bec- and this is because he's the one that the sh- is the main character on the show, uh, are correct. Yes, of course. And and well, he has been wrong, too, yeah, though. I mean, we, we can't forget that he has been wrong. I mean, he was not convinced, for example, that um, the, the serial killer murderer from Beyond the Sea yeah, was yeah, actually yeah. psychic. You know, he has his blind spots as well. Yeah, and so I think, well, that that raises an interesting question, too, for this episode, of course, is that Mulder and Scully are more of a character in this episode. They actually are doing things. They are figuring things out to a large degree. It's not a space situation where I don't know why they were in that episode. It could have just been an episode of The Twilight Zone, and it would have been about as effective. Maybe it would have been better, even. But it, it is skirting that line of, okay, are we really invested in Roland as a character? Not really. I, you know, I, I don't, there's no reason given for why we should care other than, well, he's mentally challenged. Yeah. And it's it's not good to take advantage of mentally challenged yeah. people. And I would agree with that. We but, feel bad for him as another, he, he is a figure of pity through the episodes as is Tracy, but they are not beyond that. I don't um, know. I don't know if they're pitiable. I mean, I, I, I think, feel very bad for, especially at, at the end when he's has to be taken away and, you know, Hopefully he can come back, but you know he and Tracy are going to be separate. I mean that's that's sad. It's sad. I don't know that I would mm. pity him for that. I mean, I, and I don't think Tracy is pitiable. She mm. seems fine. They seem like they have fine lives. I, you know, I don't. They, they are well. Uh, uh, 
Aside for the fact that Roland was being psychically well, controlled by his dead brother, but you know. But you know, in, in, in real life, living in this home with this woman in charge would be a very good situation. There are many people who are not in places so nice. Is true. Yeah, that that is true as well. In terms of horror movie gore death, the death sequences were good in this. They were fucked up. That 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 was fine. I st- I still look away every time he stuffs the guy in the liquid nitrogen. Yeah, and then fucking breaks it. Ah, uh, uh. Foley artist went overtime. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, I think that the episode is well constructed. I think the mystery is about as interesting as it can be. You know, I I think that the mystery of what exactly is happening with Roland is a good one. Yeah. I I think that there are there are places to which it could have been improved a little bit. I think the episode spends a little bit too much time on Roland's violent fantasies and memories of being ripped away from his family and not enough time on Dr. Grable's motivations yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Not enough time on the other doctor's motivations as well because like you said, what are his motivations? I mean, there is a degree to which I guess I buy the fact that he would steal this guy's research because he's dead and what does it really yeah. hurt and he's going to pass it off as it, as his own. But also, you know, I, I, it, 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 there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a lack. Uh, you know, there's a point A and a point C, and I don't know how we got there because, again, Doctor Grable's head is conveniently yeah. 400 feet away in this room who is being psycho he is psychically controlling his brother but i don't i don't really know to what degree he even knows what he's doing yeah and so it just comes across as a little bit un- the whole thing just comes across as a little bit unclear yeah i th- i think that i think it just i feel like there are going to be some episodes that are where they pick a few things out of a hat. Psychic cryogenics, you know. Mentally disabled brother, you know. Science. And like, okay, let's write this episode. I still don't think you understand how TV works. That's true. <laughs> no, I, 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 I kid. But I, I mean, I don't know. I think that sometimes, yeah, that's probably the case yeah. where they have an idea and they say, okay, well, I've got this idea. And then other things get shoehorned in there that don't really make a whole lot of sense. This is not intended to be one of the big episodes. Obviously, next week's episode, the season finale, is, you know, if they were choosing between, you know, resources to put on this episode and the next, you know, it's obvious where it goes. I think this was just, we need another episode. All right, here we go. I guess that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I have much else to say about Roland. Let's talk about the Earl of Mouth Flask. The what? (laughs) Earl of Mouth Flask. (laughs) It's hard to say fast. Try it. The Erlenmeyer flask. That's not fast. The Erlenmeyer flask. There you go. Uh, I like how this episode was written with the possibility of no one watches the show and it gets canceled in mind. Because <laughs> at the very end, you know, the X-Files project is canceled. And if the show had been, you know, stopped after this. It's interesting you say that. Why? Because that was not the intention. Huh. And actually Fox was apparently very upset that he really? wrote the episode that way. Because okay. they did not want people to think the show was being canceled okay yeah because i mean obviously obviously season two i i assume will begin with well how do we get the x-files back what's gonna happen we've lost a reason it's he's obviously said <laughs> you don't know what's gonna i happen. have no idea what's gonna happen the beginning of the second season is a... okay i will just say this jillian anderson was i think four months pregnant when they filmed this episode okay so 
Which explains why she's wearing a lot of very loose jackety things. Yes. For okay. Because I, I was looking at I, – I love a lot of the 90s you know, professional fashion that she gets to wear. But it, it, it seemed particularly – drapey but anyway um okay yeah. yeah so so by the time the show comes back she's like eight or nine months pregnant so okay they kind of have to find a way to <laughs> wow scully you did a lot of grocery shopping today <laughs> she doesn't get out of the car ever. <laughs> she breaks her leg and she's just kind of stuck there <laughs> she goes for some reason but she just sits there for a while no i i think that i mean that's that's obviously i think that's a a if I had not known that, I probably would have also thought yeah. that ending was that case as well. And yet it is certainly setting it up. Again, obviously, it wor- it will work as a cliffhanger, I see. Yeah, because I, I think the, the Erlenmeyer flask is – I like this episode a lot. I think yeah. the tension is very well done. The entire pace of the episode is very well done. And I also like the fact that it does bookend the pilot very well. Yes. I mean, it ends with the, it ends basically with the exact same scene yeah, yeah. as the pilot does. It – it ends in the way that the pilot promised, which was, well, the X-Files, the, the FBI wants to shut the X-Files down. Yeah. Here's this person. We want you to essentially get a case together for shutting the X-Files down. Go do that. Yeah. You know, Skinner brings her into his office a couple weeks ago and basically berates her for not doing it. Now here we are at the end of the season and they've successfully done it. I like that. I yeah. like that as a concept. I think it gives the actual first season of the show a nice storyline that wraps up while also setting it in motion for the second season. It gives a very, it it gives them a different, a slightly different variant of the problem, which is that Scully and Mulder can find out all of the truth out there that they want. They could learn everything. They know a a ton of stuff, proving it and disseminating that information turns out to be the really difficult part. At the end of this episode, yes, Mulder has seen these tanks with the alien-human hybrids, right? He has, but he has no physical evidence of that. If he had physical evidence of that, well, the FBI isn't taking his calls, so how can he let people know that? Which I think brings a very different wrinkle to this. We are, the show expects us to believe that all of this has been secret for the past 50 years, right? And I think this episode is showing why how it's been with the kind of the physical processes of how this has been kept secret for so long yeah no i think that's right because you know let's not forget the the alien human hybrids in the tanks are not the yeah. only evidence that disappear i mean of course it's also the <laughs> the discovery that there are a fifth and sixth dna yeah uh, uh base pair sequence so that that's kind of shocking and then she gets killed in a horrible car accident her and her yeah. whole family uh, i like that little detail of course because that shows how yeah, how deeply they want to protect this secret. As, now, as Deep Throat says, you know, these are people who what is it gave, gave alien DNA to little children. That's who we're working with. They would they don't give no fucks. <laughs> now, I, I think that um, it's it's a little bit difficult. I mean, I'll ask you some questions about it sure. only because I'm curious to see what you think about this because. This is the first episode of the show that introduces some of these ideas. I mean, mm. we, we, this is the first time that the idea that there are, uh, you know, shadowy scientists out there working for the government that are taking alien DNA. We've seen aliens in the show yeah. before, or at least alien ships in the show before. So I think at this point you would probably accept that in the world of the X-Files, aliens are real. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
But now we have these this new idea that they're taking the alien DNA and creating alien human hybrids for some reason. Uh, are you interested in the answer to that question? I am only to the degree of what I think it means it, 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 thematically. I think this is another example. Uh, well, well it, it's as you said earlier, technology isn't good or bad. It's neutral. This is a we we're not we're creating alien human hybrids not because the world needs alien human hybrids necessarily but because we can and I, I i mean they don't even plan on using the hybrids for any purpose right the second that they find that it's viable they're going to kill them because they just wanted to be able to do it so i mean that fits i i i don't think that i i feel like what the alien hi, human hybrids are for and what they're powers are and all of this is going to be poorly defined with i think that will be one of the elements of the show's mythology we're not going to learn the names of all the alien human hybrids out there it's not going to go into a hunt for them to meet them and bring them to light we are not going to have a third major character who is a hybrid but in as much as in the world of the x-files there are shadow governments within shadow governments within you know weird departments within you know, people who know everything and are using that for nefarious evil purposes who are doing it. In, that, I say, I, I would say, is more of the point of all of this. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you think that because and, – and partially probably that's my influence because I have told you over and over again yeah. not to put too much credence, not to get too excited about I'm, the – answers to these questions because the answers to these questions are largely unsatisfying well i've seen lost already so i (laughs) (laughs) that yeah that's true but i but i think i mean i think you have the right attitude about it because you know one of the reasons why i like the x-files so much and of course we'll talk a little bit about how you feel about the show as a whole so far because we have gotten through the whole first season at this point that um i like it because it's really about feeling it's really about tone it's really about symbolism it's about feeling all of those things and i think this episode you know, it really comes down to the fact that, you know, I think I've mentioned before in a previous episode of this show that I don't necessarily watch television for plot. Yeah. And so that's why I like the X-Files. Now, if you watch the if you watch television for plot, I think you're going to be very disappointed by the resolution to the mythology of the X-Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I this episode made me realize I'm not even going to bother figuring out who everybody works for. Right. Like. I don't think it's important what the cigarette smoking man's name is or who deep th- what at department deep throat is actually work. I'm viewing these characters as archetypal, right? The cigarette smoking man is the guy who knows everything. Somebody knows everything and is pulling all of the strings and and he is symbolized by this one character. Deep throat is the, is somebody who is trying to work within the system, somebody who is trying to support this wall at the same time bringing it down and who may get foiled and destroyed by that system. Now, I I will say I will be very surprised if Deep Throat never appears again. They are bringing... The the actor, I'm sure, is coming back. How they... There are 20 different ways that they can do that based, you know, based around he's cloned, he was, you know, wearing a bulletproof vest, he just didn't... It didn't hit any major artery. You know, there's 20 different ways they could take I, I will. I will hedge you... I will, I will hedge you off the pass a little bit. He is dead. He is? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he's dead. Okay. He does appear again, okay. but he's dead. 
Interesting. That so, surprises me. I will leave it at that. Okay. Because um, they, they leave it a little ambiguous at the end. She doesn't say, like, phys- obviously Scully. Scully doesn't raise her arms above her head and go, he's dead. No, no, I, it, it, it's true. She obviously knows by looking at the body what the. Uh, um, she is a doctor. Yeah. Um, no, I, Skinner is somebody we haven't seen a ton, but I feel like he is going to be taken into the kind of company man archetype. In other words, he seems to me he. I don't think that uh, Skinner gives a shit about whether or not there are aliens. He really just wants a nicer and nicer office. And if the person who's giving him a nicer office says there are aliens, but they need to be keep, kept secret, okay, where's my office? That's kind of the it's an interesting read of Skinner. Okay. Just leave it at that. All right. Um, I yeah. I mean, I I think that that you, you've got some right instincts about you know sort of the X Files as a whole at this point, and I think that this episode does a good job of synthesizing everything yeah. that everybody likes about the show and doesn't like about the yeah. show. Yeah, and I I do think that in general, it is much more important to engage with the ideas and tone yeah. of the show than it is about the plot. Oh yeah. 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 You know, because again, I've said like, I think that the mythology, I think that the meta plot of the X files holds together pretty well until the fifth or sixth season. And then it just sort of falls apart. Hmm. And we will certainly talk about that more as we get to that point, because I think that one of the things about the X files is, you know, we're talking about Star Trek Voyager on uh truck about it, our other podcast right now. And, you know, I've always said that Star Trek Voyager is about four different television shows because it has four different showrunners. And so it, it does change its tone, you know, not, I don't think severely, but it, it you know, it doesn't become a musical comedy or anything. Aww. But I know you were very excited about Voyager. the, <laughs> you know, but, but it, it, the X-Files has the same showrunner throughout the entire nine yeah. years of the show, 10 years of the show, if you're counting the six episodes they did, you know, last year. But it does it does change. I mean, well, the show, the show evolves location partially. Yeah. yeah. They, they change locations. I think the show comes into its own a lot more. I think you're already starting to see that. Yeah. The show is a lot more willing to have one liners than it was early on in the series. I mean, one of the things that I love in this episode so much is just the, the interplay between Mulder and Scully and how it is becoming, that's why I like watching the show. Yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. they are. I could watch them read the phone book. I mean, I just think that they're <laughs> they're amazing characters, and they're, yeah. they're probably some of the best characters ever created for television. And you know that line where she says, "Look, if you're this is Monkey P, you're on your own." <laughs> I, you know, it's just they've got this relationship now. They've got this trust, and that's what this episode really comes down to. To me, is that they have been working together for a year, however long it's been. Yeah. And, you know, I think the pilot... Long enough to build them all. Well, yeah, long enough to build them all, exactly. The pilot was 92. This is 94. You can kind of elide that by saying, okay, it was a pilot, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But they've they've come a long way together. And now, of course, what's the next logical step to separate them? Yeah. Because they've shut the X-Files down. Scully has done her job, essentially. (laughs) She's given them enough ammunition to shut the X-Files down whatever she did or didn't do inadvertently yeah. inadvertently. Yeah. And so where do they go from here? You know, I don't think that that they couldn't have done this in episode 10. Yeah. 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 That bond is there now and that's not going to go away. Yeah. I mean, this is an episode where I, I mean, Scully and Mulder have some very 
blunt discussions about the themes of the show, about their relationship, I feel like they've earned that by this point. When she – because this is the episode in which Scully gets incontrovertible proof told to her by another scientist that that – something is extraterrestrial, right? Seeing this, there is no alternative explanation to this DNA thing, and the source is unimpeachable, just as... Well, I think she jumps a little bit too quickly, too. It has to be from space. Okay. Well, no, she says it it is, by definition, extraterrestrial, meaning... Is it? I don't know. I I mean, I'm not a DNA expert, but... That's... uh, I, I guess I... You know, there is the difference between real-life genetic science and the genetic science as it is in the X-Files, and the representative of genetic science in the X-Files says something, and we have no reason to doubt her credentials. So, I guess for the purposes of this episode— That's fair. Yeah. Um, we, we, we have to assume that this proof is incontrovertible, and— you know, the shakes Scully, but she is at this point ready to be shaken like this, right? This is a different person from beyond the sea who was getting her first actual glimpses into something she could not explain and at the end of the day decided to run from the proof of it. She, in this episode, has fr- frankly toughened up over the past 10 episodes and, and got into the point where she can, frankly, handle the truth. Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, you know, that's a good point. And also how, how ironic is it then that the show uh, abandons that tagline for this episode? You know, it, it's trust no one now. Yeah. Uh, that obviously is not the, the tagline for the show forever. But that is the case where it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition. You know, the, the truth is out there. Well, yeah, of course it is. We know it is. And yeah. now Scully has been convinced of that. And so yeah, yeah. it has transitioned over from the truth is out there to trust no one. Because, yeah. okay, you know it's out there now. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, but I, I mean the unspoken thing is this episode when she's talking with Deep Throat at the end and saying, you know, I don't trust you, which, you know, finally, but she and Mulder have that trust, I think. Well, because I think that, that oddly enough, Mulder is is a bit more a lot well not a bit a lot more credulous than scully yeah and scully does not have the you know we've talked before about how Mulder is a he's a true seeker he's a he's, yeah he's on a quest you know this is his uh uh purpose in life and scully that is not the case i mean certainly scully likes working with Mulder. they have a connection they they have clicked very well but this is not her most driving yeah purpose in life i don't know what her driving purpose in life is perhaps it's to save lives you know whatever she's a doctor so but at the same time she is able now to look at the evidence and go with Mulder's interpretation not Mulder's interpretation of the evidence but Mulder's interpretation of reality to a certain degree well i i guess there is a difference between trusting Mulder and believing Mulder or thinking that Mulder is right. I mean, she trusts Mulder because she knows that – she knows what his agenda is. His agenda is always searching for the truth. And even if he will jump to the wildest thing – for example, Eve is a perfect example of where he comes to the wrong very he, – he, he begins at, at a very different spot. There have been you know, several points in which – she is able to walk him back with evidence, with certain questions, uh, with poking the holes in his uh, 
in his presentation that even if he's incorrect, she trusts that he's going to go for the right thing. She knows that his agenda is not going to be to turn around and shoot her at the end or to inject cells into children or anything like that. He well, I'll just wait for season two. Okay, that's why it starts going off the rails. Mulder becomes the villain. No, I think you're right because, I, I, you know, where where this is really coming from, I think, is that we have seen time and time again that, you know, because the, the open question for the, for the show at this point is why is Mulder so invested in this? Yeah. And he's not doing this for glory. He's not doing this for power. Yeah. He's not doing this for any sort of aggrandizement he's doing this because he wants to protect people i mean even in something like squeeze which yes is extra trust well not extraterrestrial but but is part of the extreme possibilities that he talks about his driving motivation there is not to prove that tombs is an alien his motivation there is to protect people from being murdered and and that is his motivation his motivations are mostly pure and so i think scully sees that and she has the 24 episodes or 23 episodes of the show so far to prove that to her yeah if he's going with the wackiest things well again this is a universe where the wackiest things do exist and frankly somebody needs to be protecting people from that i mean that's i think we're you know, Mulder obviously has this past with his sister who was kidnapped, and there is an element of where he's trying to save himself, certainly, but he is also saving other people from going what he has gone through. Frankly, he is – if Mulder has done his job, there will not need to be any more Mulders in a way. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, the show hasn't done too much with that yet. It is yeah. still in the background. It hasn't figured out what – what ex- I don't think the uh, I would be surprised if anybody knew what exactly happened to Samantha at this point beyond just some it had she was kidnapped by aliens probably that that reminds me of something else I want to talk about but before we do that I think that you know the other thing I like about this episode a lot is that it finally puts the cards on the table for for Deep Throat I mean we have yeah. to talk about his death because he is I think he's an important character in the first season of the show and. You know, for me, what it comes down to is that Mulder is sidelined. Mulder is kidnapped by these shadowy yeah, agents yeah. who are hunting the the human alien hybrids, and Deep Throat comes up with this plan, this this elaborate scheme, which may or may not actually be a scheme. Who knows? Uh, it seems like it was because at the end of it, they murder him. Yeah, yeah. But or it's it's payback for getting Mulder back. I don't know. We, it's it's unclear. I mean, this is to some degree a conspiracy show, so the answers yeah. are there perhaps not there it's really more about tone and focus but well yeah as i said i i don't care who anybody works for at this point i, d- I don't think it matters it's true it's more i mean it's fun to talk about yeah. but you know yeah you're right but I, I i think that it's it's nice that scully puts her cards on the table with with deep throat yeah. and and you know she does accept his plan and she goes to this facility and steals the alien embryo but it's not like she still I don't she still doesn't trust him because even at the end of it, right before he gets murdered, she still yeah. wants to keep it for herself and do it herself because she well, A, she doesn't trust Deep Throat and also B, she wants to protect Mulder. I mean, I was shocked by the fact that the packet the parcel, as he keeps calling it, uh actually did have the alien fetus i thought for sure they were going to be a little more clever than that but 
you know. Did the guy even look at it? Yeah, exactly. He just grabbed it, shoots him, and then, you know, dumps Mulder out and... Yep, 15 ounces. <laughs> That's an alien embryo. I mean, I would just have put a couple of rocks with a note to where it really is, but... Well, I think that that's an open question, though. I mean, yeah. does it matter? Why Why do they need that? No, no, and... and Did they want it? And Was where, this just an excuse to get rid of Deep Throat? And, and where is it right now in the cigarette-smoking man's, you know, paper, you know, cardboard warehouse? I mean, there's... I, I, I think it's funny because as wonderful of imagery as that is, as as lovely of a bookend is... That place is so much less secure, and both in terms of physical security and of storage security than the. Uh, well, it is the Pentagon. Yeah, but it's but it's also behind a door, and it's. I mean, what I'm saying is the sample was in liquid nitrogen. It's not. It's in a cardboard file folder right now. Well, I yeah, <laughs> I, I I kind of read that a different way. I I think that. Um, that's just indicative of the fact that they don't really care because they have so much of it. Yeah, and that's it, – it almost seems, especially given how both times we've been in this warehouse, it's been sets of stuff, right? Like it's yeah. not like – it almost seems like he's getting a collection. This is one of several alien embryos, and he has a little spot right for it. Just as the devices from the pilot episode, he puts one in a slot, and there's several others. I think that's – there is an amount of yeah as you say there is so much of that that said you know that that is no excuse to not you know chill something that needs to be chilled but you know yeah uh, uh, i thought they put it in formaldehyde or something i i don't i admittedly don't know a ton about the same you know and obviously it was stolen from that facility so yeah but again as a as a logical physical, this is what is literally happening. Maybe it doesn't go, but in terms of what it means, that the cigarette smoking man has this room, which is obviously an analog of all the secrets that he knows in his mind. I mean, this is just one more secret that the cigarette smoking man knows. He knows everything. He has an entire warehouse full of secrets. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's right. Well, I guess that's a it's a good segue for for me to talk about the other thing I want to ask you about this episode in particular and, and sort of the the whole first season as a whole is you know one of the again one of the criticisms of the X Files is that the the mythology episodes the the whole yeah. meta plot of the of the series doesn't hang together very well and while I think that's true I, I also think it's important to place the X Files in a time and place yeah and you know we've talked a lot about serialization on other podcasts that we've done. And I wonder how you feel about how the X-Files is approaching this sort of continuing story because this is something that was relatively new. And, you know, when we talked about the last uh, uh, arc of, of Deep Space Nine, for example, you know, we talked about how they weren't always completely successful at it. And that was even a new idea in 1999. And here we are six years later or six years earlier where a television show is trying to do something somewhat similar to the way in yeah, which yeah. Deep Space Nine approached its serialization. And I think how a lot of how a lot of that sort of happened organically because they wanted to increase the, the, the scope in which they could tell their stories. So well, how, how do you feel yeah. about that in the first season of The X-Files? I mean, I see almost a range of things with, uh, obviously, original series at, at, at the far end. TNG was one which, again, especially in, for example, the story of the rise of Gowron as the Chancellor, there were episodes where it wasn't necessarily someone, no, no one sat down and said, all right, Gowron, this is going to be an eight-episode arc that we're going to 
pepper throughout the series and, you know, every six months we're going to check back in. No, there were events that happened and they were one-offs or maybe a two-parter and then later, oh, I wonder what happened in the intervening time. And so a story does build up versus DS9, which while it wasn't Babylon 5 level, everything was written and planned beforehand. Which uh, is also not of really course, true. I, I, of know. course, of course. Or... I just always like to point that out to annoy Babylon 5 fans. <laughs> um, but that certainly had more thought on it, and there was a little more – an episode – when an episode was written, you can tell they probably had the next step in mind, if not the next five. Um, I think that these are some vaguely alien-related concepts and themes which are – like I said, I'm viewing the characters archetypally, and they are getting – further resonances in they are becoming more complicated as characters they are becoming more interesting they're spiraling out even where deep throat went from his very first appearance where he's just like i'm gonna tell you something weird and then disappear um i mean his his entire character is an exploration of that can we trust who's giving us information theme Scully points out, and rightly so that deep throat has his own agenda they don't know what it is that he is has demonstrably lied to them and on, on occasion and any blind trust of him is a bad thing and that yet Mulder is, is does have the legitimate point that he is putting them in certain directions maybe not as competently or well or as openly as he should or as Scully would like or anything like that certainly Scully would prefer if he would introduce himself give him give them her give her his business card and proceed openly in a meeting in his office. But as Fox does point out, he does have reasons for not. And we can assume that at least some of those reasons are legitimate. Yeah, no, I think that's all right. Again, I I think Deep Throat is working within the system. And if his activities were, uh, the, the ending of this episode seems to imply that the, worry that he's had all season that he will be found out has come to pass i don't even know if it's that he was found out though you know and and i that's that's what i that's what i was kind of getting at when i'm asking you the question about how the the first season hangs together as a whole thing because i I think that deep throat is a large part of that of course and i think deep throat was in i don't know yeah six episodes i mean it's not like he was a constant presence in the show Certainly, I think he was maybe referenced a couple of times and that he wasn't mentioned in. Although, out of the non-Mulder Scully characters, he's the one we've seen the most. We've only seen the cigarette guy three times. We've seen Skinner once or twice. We've, even if Deep Throat has only been in six out of uh, 24 episodes, that's still a quarter of the... Oh, yeah. No, I'm not disagreeing. Of the series as we've seen. Again, only Mulder and Scully have had more screen time. He's a a very outsized presence on the show for the first season, and he is someone who obviously has a big impact on the first season. Yeah. You know, I just wonder if if you think they're doing a good job at at writing this so far. I mean, because you could make the argument that the show is I mean, the show is messy and I think that yeah. what, what what I what I'm trying to get at is the Do X-Files like the is sort of proto it's proto-serialization yeah. in a way. You know, this is something that they weren't really able to do very well because they no one was doing this. Yeah. You know, and I think, in, you know, in a similar way to how a lot of television shows just, you know, serialization in television is always one of those things that fascinates me because it's a complete change, a, a complete yeah, yeah. sea change in the way television was, was written and constructed and, and people thought about it. And it, it seemed to come very organically. 
I guess I wanted from from writers no. who wanted to tell larger stories, and I think the X Files yeah. is a great example of that. One of the questions that I'm going to be having over this run, and I can't answer yet, is that I know in a lot of ways Chris Carter is kind of a punchline, right? You said the other week that he never really made you know, it. So now, obviously, the X Files for anybody would be a really fucking hard act to follow. It was, it is hard to get such a massive and, success. You know, right. Yeah. To his credit, he did have a spinoff. Not out of, well, it wasn't a spinoff, but it took place in the same universe called millennium. Okay. Which I, I think was on for three years. I mean, not a great success, but it wasn't yeah. canceled outright. No, and that's fair. Um, but I guess my question will be, was Chris Carter doing the best he could with the creative tools that were around at the time, the techniques, the ways of seeing, and if there are holes in his storytelling method, well, he was one of the people who was really working on this first. And so, you know, or is it a case of where, you know, his ambitions act out, out exceeded his talents and maybe if he'd paired it back or worked with somebody who had been able to flesh it out a little more. Um, you know, I think that will be a question that I will be asking because I don't know. I like the fact that there is a larger story that's being told. I mean, in a way, it's impossible to do this kind of a premise without implying the larger story. The fact that there is an office in the FBI building where somebody is investigating this stuff means that somebody else knows that this stuff exists and somebody else has an idea. And what is the fact that somebody else has this idea? I mean, I think a lot of the larger elements, the more grandiose, ambitious elements ha- come from simply taking this premise seriously. Yeah. You know, if you're telling a story about contact with alien life that might not necessarily be friendly or that there are certainly elements in the government who believe that the aliens are not friendly, may not be that friendly themselves. You know, all of those – once you are dealing with these kind of large actors, these kind of uh, – because these are – the antagonists are shadowy and faceless, right? They're – the government and the aliens. We've only we've seen a couple of people and creatures who represent both you know these groups, but we don't have a face. Again, the cigarette smoking man is the closest to the face that of the government that we have right now. Yeah, that's true, and he's also on billboards, yeah. which doesn't help. Hmm. No, I, I think you're right, and I think it's just going to have to be a case of we'll have to see where it goes. But I am feeling a little better about it than I was at the beginning of this. I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting and hoping for the quality even out because again, we have going to be waiting a long time. Uh, no, I, I, I know this is going to be a show where some days, you know, you're just going to, uh, get the rod and lollipop out of the machine, right? This, um, I don't know what the metaphor was. Um, some days it's just going to be a shitty episode. And I think there are, I, I know one of our challenges that we generally try to do as critics on our shows is to find, well, even in a shitty episode, what's good about it? Why Was this still entertaining? Was this worth watching? It's not fun to just bash. We right, could have spent 20 right. minutes bashing what a terrible episode Roland was, you know? And Yeah, and I, you know, I, I have no interest in doing that, and I don't think Roland was a terrible episode. No, and again, there were things worth getting from that, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's certainly, I mean, even with an episode like Space, we try and find 
something now we can't about it. you know we're not ozzy osbourne we're not perfect every time out so, we're not always you know. successful but we try <laughs> damn it we try uh well we're just gonna have to wait and see and i'm excited to go into the second season of the show with you all right well if you have any thoughts on either of the x-files episodes we just watched please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com you can check out our Patreon if you would like to support our podcasting endeavors with a little bit of your hard-earned money. Please just go over to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, which coincidentally enough also supports our other podcast, Truckabout. We are in the second season of Star Trek Voyager. We're talking about the episodes Projections and Illusion this week. Ooh. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we are there and ready to hear from you. Tuning in you. show is our username. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we kick off the second season of The X-Files by talking about Little Green Men. No, 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 that's DS9. And it's a great one. And The Host. I think that was a TNG. This is Mac. Why do you...